Great, thanks Tim. Um, and can I just say again how excited I am to be joining St. Dee's and it really feels like just talking to people that God is on the move in this church and I think it's going to be a really exciting year. Um, see what God's got, got um, in store. Right, so um, the sermon series that we've been looking at in August has been heroes of the Bible. So we've had Daniel, we've had Ruth, um, we've had Moses last week from Harry. Um, and this week, talking about a guy who I think's got a bit of a bad rep and quite unfairly. Um, I think he's a good chap, but everyone uh, has called him a bit of a nasty name. So, um, so we're talking about the Apostle Thomas. He's, he's one of the 12 disciples, um, which is pretty big. Um, you probably know him as Doubting Thomas, but I'd like to rename him Honest Tom. And, <laughs> and we're going to see why um, in a minute. So why don't we turn, get our Bibles, there should be Bibles on the end of the pews, pews. Um, and we're looking at John chapter 20, verse 24, so that's 1,029 in your church Bibles. So just to set the scene... Jesus has been crucified, and he's appeared in resurrected form to various people, uh, including Mary, and a week before, he's appeared to the disciples, so the disciples are all in a room, uh, the door's locked, and um, uh, Jesus has appeared to the disciples in physical form, and they've seen the marks on his hands, they've seen the wound in his side, and they really believe that he's been resurrected. But for some reason, we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. So let's just dive into, so verse 24, and we're going to read down to 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas is a questioner, and actually he's a bit like us in that we haven't seen Jesus in physical form. So um, although the disciples had seen him, the other disciples, um, Tom was like us. We're not going to see, unless he comes back while we're still alive, we're not, not going to see Jesus in physical form. Um, so we have to believe based on um, our own experiences and um, what's in the Bible. So I'm a consultant, I like a good structure, so you'll be pleased to know there are three main parts to this talk. Um, and the first one is that questioning and doubting is actually really normal and it's a really healthy part of growing in faith. And sometimes it feels like as Christians, we, um, we don't like to talk about the big questions, like 
God doesn't exist is a question that lots of people in the world have. We don't like talking about it. Um, does God have power in this situation? Does God have power to change my uh, job? Does he have power to make this relationship better, for example? Um, and it's something we don't like talking about, but actually the Bible is covered in examples of people doubting and questioning. Um, so Harry last week talked about Moses. So God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, and Moses still didn't believe that um, God was going to protect him and he had the power to get the Jews out of Egypt. Um, if we go to the New Testament, we've got Nathaniel, who's a student of Jewish law, and he doubted whether Jesus was actually legitimate and who, who he said he was. So I think we need to get used to the idea that questioning and doubt and talking about our faith in a really open way is actually really normal and it's really healthy. However, Thomas's doubt had a really clear purpose in that he wanted to know the truth. So it wasn't an excuse for not changing his life. It wasn't an excuse for um, not doing anything about it. So his, his doubt really gives us evidence, not of a lack of faith, but of a desire to have faith founded in fact and personal experience. Um, so if our questions have a purpose, which is seeking God, then we will grow in faith. Um, and actually doubt is part of God's plan for us to grow. So God gave us minds. He gave us um, a very complex world and actually... Doubt is part of his plan because it will help us grow. And I think that's really important, so we shouldn't shy away from, from talking about it. So on to point number two. Um, if I was at work, I'd have a nice PowerPoint. Um, so the second point, really, so the first one, questioning is really normal. The second one, we can ask God for help. But we need to hang in there. So if you imagine Thomas, he didn't really believe that Jesus was resurrected. His leader's been executed. His mate Peter has denied Jesus three times. And they're all now in a locked house, probably hiding from the Romans. Um, but he was still, where, still there with them. He hadn't run away. He hadn't gone elsewhere. And throughout the um, Gospels, um, Thomas is with Jesus, following him, asking questions, searching. And actually, that's a model that we need to take on. Um, we need to hang in there when we've got questions um, and not just use them as a sort of excuse to push it all away. So I can really identify with Thomas um, in that I'm a skeptic at heart. Um, and I wanted to just quickly share my story um, and how, I guess, doubt and faith have played a role uh, for me. So... Christian family, um, they're a bunch of nutters actually, like missionaries. Um, my granddad's an exorcist, was an exorcist. Um, so it's like pretty hardcore uh, growing up. And um, I got to about 14. I really like science, I like reason, logic. Um, got to about 14, 15, and I begin to think, actually, this doesn't really make sense. Um, started reading Dawkins. Um, uh, came to the conclusion that, I don't know, uh, God could be explained by science and actually, or God, 
God didn't exist and we could explain everything else by science. Um, so I sacked it in. About 14 or 15, um, I kept sort of going to church on and off to keep the parents happy. Um, and so here's, his book is called Unapologetic and it's actually, I really recommend it. It's brutal. Um, it's written by Christian and it's on, so I don't agree with everything in here, but it's a really honest take on his faith. Um, I just want to read out a quick passage which kind of explains um, some of what I felt. So Christians think we have an imaginary friend, that we believe in a sky pixie, that we prostrate ourselves before a God who has reality status of Santa Claus, that we prefer scripture to novels, preaching to storytelling, certainty to doubt, faith to reason, law to mercy, censorship to debate, silence to eloquence, and death to life. And it gets worse. <laughs> Believers are people with pudding bell haircuts, wearing anoraks in August, <laughs> and chunky sweaters the colour of vomit. I actually realised when I was um, getting dressed this morning that these shoes are probably quite a bad, bad example of that, but never mind. Um, or to pull it back from the metaphor of clothing to the bits of behaviour that the judgment is really based on, believes the people who try to insert Jesus into conversations at parties. <laughs> They're people who, on the rare occasions when you have to listen to them, like at a funeral or a wedding, seize the opportunity to pour the liquidised content of a primary school nativity play into your ear hole, apparently not aware that childhood is over. <laughs> so, that's a bit of a caricature, but that's sort of how I felt. Um, I then went to, so I sort of sacked off church, um, then went to Durham University, and they do say, you go to uni and you do drugs, you go to Durham and you do church, and it is kind of true for those. <laughs> um, so I got, dragged along, I got dragged along to church, I went, and I got really good at ignoring God. So I'd sit there, and I'd have all my reasons, and I'd, have, I'd be fighting it, and it was actually quite fun, fighting the message I'd be hearing every week. Um, and a number of things happened. I had long chats with Steve, um, but fundamentally it came down to um, one day I was walking along in Durham, it was cold, it was quite a grotty street, and um, suddenly I realised that actually faith is a choice between sin and death and Jesus and life. And actually, the reason I wasn't a Christian is because I didn't want to stop sinning. Because getting drunk is quite fun. Lying is, makes things much more convenient. Um, I mean, I could go on. I won't try and justif <laughs> justify all our sins. But actually, <laughs> actually, not being a Christian in some ways is a lot easier than putting all that aside and being countercultural and, um, and believing in Jesus. So I had a really clear choice, and actually it just seemed like a no-brainer um, to, choose, to choose God, to choose life, to choose life in all its fullness. Um, and really that is what I've experienced since becoming a Christian. Um, and the change is quite significant. Um, so my non-Christian friends think I've gone all religious. Um, but actually, so that was four years ago, um, and actually I think I'm a, probably a very different person inside to the person that I was four years ago. 
Um, and I can feel the Holy Spirit working in me. I've still got lots of questions. Um, but as, as Ian Hislop from Have I Got News For You says, I tried being an atheist, but I kept having doubts. And that's, that's really, um, really what happened to me. Um, and now I find myself about to work for a church, which, if you'd have said that to me four years ago, I'd have laughed a long time. Um, so I haven't got it all sorted. I've still got lots of questions. Um, but I think as you grow in faith, you don't have to keep going back to first principles every morning about whether you believe in God or not. I think you grow and your personal experience helps you to, to develop a faith. Um, if you can imagine a, a relationship with, for example, a relationship with your mother, you know your mother's there and that she loves you and you don't have to do a cost-benefit analysis every time you want to decide whether to see her or not. Um, <laughs> So that's really my story. That's where I am now. Um, and I think that comes as a result of searching. So it's, it's not down to me. That was due to the Holy Spirit banging a sledgehammer on my heart for 10 years. Um, but actually, we can ask for faith. I think that's really important. If we've got questions, we can ask God for faith. Um, if you look uh, earlier on in the Gospels, um, in Mark, so there's the man with his demon-possessed son. And he comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds with, everything is possible for one who believes. Um, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And that's a prayer that we can pray to God um, when we're wondering whether we can really trust God, whether he really has got power, whether he really has uh, got control of a situation, has he really got good plans for me when actually at the moment things seem really tough? Um, we can come to God, and God loves this when we do it. He absolutely loves it when we're there asking for more faith. So... We've talked about faith being really, uh, doubt being really healthy part of growing in faith. We've talked about our response, which is to come to God and to keep pressing in, to keep coming to church. I know it sounds really sort of practical, but keep coming to church, to keep reading the Bible, um, and God will answer. Um, which comes on to my third point, which is how Thomas responds to Jesus. And he responds with grace. He doesn't chastise him. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, silly boy, I'm obviously, you know, I'm obviously resurrected. Um, and he shows Thomas what he needs to believe. And for Thomas, it was um, seeing Jesus in physical form. Um, and for all of us, it might be different things. So for someone like me, um, it was quite a clear logical choice that I was shown. Um, for someone else, it might be an experience uh, maybe in church, it might be something else. It might be um, natural beauty, for example. Um, but God will come to us and meet us where we are. Um, and we've got to remember God's promise. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. So I want to just talk about three practical steps for dealing with... Um, doubt and faith 
And that's when we have got questions, we need to understand our motivation and we need to understand what the heart issues are. So I realized um, that I probably did believe in God, but I had a lot of pride going on in my intellect. Um, in, I guess I wanted to define my family. Um, and actually, when I looked at the heart issues, it was pride that was stopping me from coming to Jesus. So the first step is to look inside yourself and think, why am I asking these questions? Where are they from? Am I genuinely seeking God? The second step is don't allow your doubt for becoming a reason, uh, to become a reason for not coming to God. Um, doubt can take you to a new level of faith or it can push you away, and it's how we respond um, that determines that. So if we have questions, we need to come to God with our um, questions and be honest. Um, and we also need to be honest with friends. Just on a practical note, I'd say reading lots of books is fine, but I'm not sure it will get you closer to the answer. At least for me, it didn't. Um, it's quite hard to prove God in a book. Uh, God is, uh, we have, what we have with God is a relationship. Um, and just a word of warning. We can get really good at ignoring sermons and ignoring God's word and ignoring the spirit and we get good at batting it off and sitting in church and I'm, I, I became really good at this hearing something which actually resonated with me but just batting it off and saying yeah but I've got all these questions so I'll deal with it later um, or I don't think God's in this situation so I'm just going to push it away um, this is really dangerous actually um, so just a real word of warning we get good at at batting God away um, and so what I'd say is if you have got questions or you're going through a tough time you've got doubt um, to come to God and get it sorted rather than let, letting it just become a shield between you and God um, and the final practical step is remember God's promise of seek and you shall find and this means being expectant if you're asking God for answers and he's promised seek and you shall find he will answer them. Um, I just want to tell you a quick story. Um, I was at Presence two weeks ago, and I came in. I was uh, just come from work. I was still in my work clothes. Um, I came and sort of sat somewhere over here, and the worship was going on, really great, but I just was not engaging. I was tired, I, and I just felt I didn't want to engage with God. So I actually got up and walked out, um, which is a bit naughty given I'm about to be working for the church in, <laughs> in two weeks um, made some phone calls uh, and then came back and sat on the sofa at the back um, and I just thought this is a waste of time I mean, what am I doing here this is just ridiculous um, so I just thought well, I'm, gonna just give, I'm just going to pray so I said to God God I'm feeling cack um, and I really want to engage but I can't just help me to believe, help me to um, believe that you're here in power. And I then came and sat back down. Um, and about two minutes later, Hannah Proctor, who's somewhere here, um, stood up and gave a word which she'd had from God, which was bang on something for me, like absolutely spot on. It was two things, and they were both definitely for me. And I don't think I've ever really had that. I don't think I've ever had something so specific. 
Um, and I'm not saying that will happen to you every time, but I just want to encourage you that if you pray, God will answer, and it may not be immediate, but he does answer prayer, and even to skeptics like me. I sometimes think I'm so skeptical and analytical that God doesn't work like that with me, but I think for me that's absolute proof that he does. Um, so we've looked at three things we can learn from, from this passage with Thomas. Um, so the first is doubt is really normal. Questions are really normal um, and healthy if we approach them in the right way. Um, the second point is that we can ask God to help our unbelief. And then finally, um, the final point really is that God will respond with grace and he will meet us where we are. So what happened to Thomas? So he went from doubting to proclaiming that uh, when he said, my Jesus and my God. And actually this is pretty much the most complete description of Jesus in, in, the, um, in the Gospels. Um, so he actually says, you are God. Um, and he actually then went on to bring Christianity to India and Persia, and he was eventually martyred for his faith. So he went from doubting Jesus to being willing to die for what he believed in, um, which is pretty remarkable, right? Um, I, I, I certainly think so. And I think that's a real encouragement that even the big bad doubter in the Bible actually ended up dying for his, dying for his faith because he believed it so strongly. So I just want to finish with a psalm. And the psalms are great. Uh, and this one is somebody, the author, is just crying out to God with loads of questions, with doubt. Um, he doesn't believe God's there. He believes God's gone away. He believes um, God's favor isn't on him anymore. It's actually a bit depressing. Um, but then the second half is him still pressing into God, still worshiping. Um, and still believing that he is there in power. So I'll just, I'll just finish by reading this psalm. Don't get too depressed by the first half, it gets better. <laughs> I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people. So I just want to pray. Um, that we'd have an attitude towards faith and doubt, which is like Thomas, which is earnestly seeking. 
um, and like the psalmist, which is to praise God and press in, um, even when things seem to be falling, um, falling away around us and we're not quite sure what's going on. So God, I just want to um, thank you for the story of Thomas. Thank you for the example that he gives, um, both in the Bible and in his life afterwards. Um, and thank you that he was willing to seek God and ask questions, even when he had, um, had doubts. Um, and so I just pray that as a church and as individuals, we'll engage with those questions that we have, um, that we'll be willing to come to, to you, um, to lay them um, at your feet, Lord, and just uh, trust that seek and we will find knock and the door will be opened to us. In your name we pray. Amen.